I love that clip. Um, I spent a little too much time watching through invisible challenges uh, like this. Uh, and I broke it down to 30 seconds instead of five minutes because, like, I have a lot to say. <laughs> Don't I always? Right? Uh, that is an invisible barrier. And obviously that dog can easily get through saran wrap, right? Like, it would, be, it would just be easy for him to get through. But the dog sees this barrier and stops. In fact, the clip goes on and they add these cute little narrations and the dog continues to be like, hey, why do you keep doing this to me? Like, I see my master on the other side. My master has a treat for me and you still won't let me over. It stinks, right? The most like, incredibly frustrating barriers are the ones that you can see what's going on on the other side. You see, a lot of times we think that the scary things are the things we can't see, and that's totally true. But the frustrating things are the things that we think we can, like, we can get to if this barrier was not in the way. In fact, this morning I wanted to make that like a real illustration for you. I'm 5'3", like super short, right? This is the table that I use over at the youth room because a podium makes me look really silly. It's this weird barrier between you and me. In fact, when we tested this and I stood here in front of the podium, the microphone hit my nose and it made me look like I had Mickey Mouse nose. It was a complete distraction from what I was gonna say. And let's, let's be real, I don't stand in one spot ever. So let's put a table in the place instead. It was a removing of a barrier in order for me to feel comfortable and people not to freak out every time I come near the steps, because everybody does. So we removed the barrier. Last week, Kurt brought us the message from Acts 15. In the very beginning of Acts 15, there was, I'm gonna just do a little quick rewind, but if you wanna get the whole thing, go rewatch. Kurt's message because it was fantastic. He did some really great work on that, and I want you to, um, to get those details. I just don't have the time for it this morning because they're probably going to have to take a cane and pull me off this morning because I have so much to say. But in Acts 15, there's just this re rewind that I want to remind you of. There was a group of people who were going to the Gentile believers in Antioch saying, I know you believe, but we think that you should look like us act like us, sound like us, dress like us, and mark like us. That there's a marking, a covenant that you need to look like this that is a barrier between you coming into the Christian faith, to being part of the faith community. And these guys went through and they were like, no, you gotta do it this way. And a group of people came together and decided that wasn't really a necessary barrier anymore because I'm gonna go ahead and start with the good news. Uh, there's a, I'm gonna do one part and then we'll do another part in a little bit. But the good news is this, is that Jesus already came to fulfill the law and remove the barriers. And so they didn't have to be part of that law anymore. And the Jewish people were like, excuse me, I had to do that, that's my tradition, that's how I have been raised, this is my Messiah. You should probably act and be like me if you want to believe, or at least be part of our community. 
Well, the council had already decided that that wasn't necessary. And so Paul and Barnabas and a few others went on to Antioch, and they were like sharing this good news. And where Kurt left off last week, the city was in great joy. I would be too, because the barrier in place was circumcision. I mean, I don't, I know, that doesn't bother me, but I would be joyful too if I were a male Gentile saying, I don't have to be circumcised. That's really good news. So Paul and Barnabas are going through and uh, sharing this piece of, or this letter to the other, uh, to Antioch and encouraging and strengthening them. Let me tell you a little bit about Barnabas. Barnabas is known as an encourager. He tells people things that will help them continue on. Paul was really good at preaching. He was going to give you the, like, the gist of everything. These two were a powerhouse couple. Like they were on missions and they were doing it well. Antioch was being strengthened. They were being encouraged. I mean, what could go wrong? That is an amazing thing to have, right? Like this is awesome. Well, if this was a soap opera, this is where the organ music would play, right? Dun, dun, dun. There's some trouble in the water. We're going to pick up at verse 36 in Acts 15. After some time, Paul and Barnabas uh, were together. They said, this is an NLT, by the way. Let's go back and visit the city where they previously preached the word of the Lord to see the new how the new believers are doing. That's a great idea, really great idea. Let's go back. Barnabas is like, yep, I could totally do that. I'm an encourager. Uh, that's, that's my thing. That's my jam. And Paul's like, yeah, and I can go preach, and we can do this. Like, we'll, we'll just be like Antioch. We'll keep going. Well, then Barnabas was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's bring John Mark along. Yeah, well, Paul was like, no. I don't get along with John Mark. He failed us. He left us in the middle of the mission. Well, Barnabas, this is an important piece, Barnabas, this was his cousin, and he's an encourager, so I'm assuming he probably thought it was a good idea to give a second chance. We don't actually know why John Mark stopped on the mission. Like, I have questions. I don't know if you have questions, but I have questions. Why did John Mark stop? Why is Paul so mad? Is he going to overreact, or is Barnabas overreacting? or underreacting, or maybe his aunt is in his ear, or his mom's like, don't you dare make uh, waves in the family. Take your cousin with you. Well, Paul says no. Barnabas agreed that they should take John Mark, or Barnabas agreed and wanted to take John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia, and they did not continue, he did not continue with them in their works. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated I wanted to skip this section. I wanted to just go straight to 16. Because I was so afraid that what might happen is that you might read into the fact that I'm doing this passage this day during this time. I am not leaving or resigning because of there was sharp disagreement. I'm not. I don't want you to write that narrative. But Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. So just remove that distraction from your mind. We'll talk about that later. If you have questions about my resignation, that has nothing to do with today's sermon, at least not here, not in this part. So just want you to remove that. 
they had such a strong, sharp disagreement that they separated. This kind of disagreement, this kind of sharpness is probably what a lot of you are experiencing right now. In the Greek, it's described as to provoke. It's anger-producing. You know, it's the one that your heart rate starts to go up, or maybe you're like me, and your chest starts to break out, or you get a headache, or you get really tired. We all deal with conflict in different ways. Paul had a sharp disagreement with Barnabas, so much so that they could not agree to go together, even though they were a powerhouse. Like, why would God have them separate when they were so good at what they did together? We don't get that answer, except that we know this, that Paul decided to take John Mark, and he went on to sail to Cyprus, and Paul, I'm sorry, Barnabas took John Mark and went on, and Paul chose Silas. Now, Paul and Silas are not exactly equals. Silas is more of like an assistant, where Barnabas was more like a um, partner. And so when God sees conflict, I don't think he causes it, but when he sees it, he says, well, this is going to make the kingdom even bigger. They're going to go this direction, and I'm not good at geography, so it's probably this direction, who knows, right? They're going to go this direction, and Paul and Silas are going to go this direction. And we have this in here because now we need to know why Paul is not with Barnabas in the next section. But disagreements happen even inside really good ministry, even inside really good churches. Now, what the Bible has not said to us, what Luke has not told us, is that they disagreed on what the mission was. They agreed on that. The mission was this. It's the first part of our good news, so we're going to go backwards. I didn't give him a script because, you know, I don't follow one. Jesus fulfilled the law and removed the barriers, and so Paul was like, we're going to remove barriers. And and Barnabas is like, yeah, I agree with that. I just don't agree with who you want to take along. And so the, the mission actually got bigger because of a disagreement, because of a split. But the mission didn't change. The journey didn't change in the sense of what was needed to be accomplished. And that was to remove the barriers that we tend to put in place for others when Jesus has already fulfilled the law and removed the barriers. If you remember last week, Kurt reminded us that even the Jewish tradition, the people could not yoke themselves to the law. They could not fulfill the law themselves. And yet they were asking others to have barriers in the way to come to Christ. And Jesus already did it. He already fulfilled the law. That's why we're even talking to Gentiles at this point in the Bible. It's because Jesus had already removed that. And he removed that barrier. The problem comes in 16, where last week we were told that circumcision was not necessary. Now, Paul is going to go and pick up Timothy. He's like, hey, I like you. You're cool. If you don't know that, read 1 and 2 Timothy. Paul really thinks Timothy is like, this is a good kid. He's wise for his age. People listen to him. He's well known. Let's bring him along on the journey. And Paul does something that 
confused me for weeks. I could not figure out why in the world Paul would do this. I'm going to pause. You'll find out in just a second what he does, unless you've already read ahead. This week and last week, I posted on Facebook a very reliable source. Um, I posted on Facebook. In fact, if you are on Facebook, you are welcome to be on Facebook right now. If you wanted to go live with everyone else who's at home, just put your phone down, turn the like volume down, and have the comments in between. Like That would be awesome, because we are together, right? So I posted on Facebook, what are things that make you feel unacceptable? What are things specifically does the church do to make you feel unacceptable? And I didn't want to like feed into that, but I was getting some interesting questions or inst- interesting answers, so I wanted to dig a little deeper. And about 30 to 40 people responded, which was shocking to me. Some did publicly, so you may have read those, some did privately. And while I wasn't surprised by the answers, I was brokenhearted by the answers. Some people said, I was raised in a church that no longer accepts me, but I still love Jesus. And I don't know what to do, and I don't know who to talk to anymore. Women were over, like, overwhelming the ones who spoke up. One said, I'm not feminine enough to be the church woman. I had a guy send me a message saying, I'm not masculine enough to be considered a, a man of God. Just yesterday, I was on a feed through some youth pastors. Now there's 12,000 youth pastors in this. And they called women preachers evil and unnatural. It's an invisible barrier that's put in place for so many people. Jesus already came and fulfilled the law. He already removed the barrier, and we tend to put barriers in the way for people to be part of a faith community because we think they should act like us, look like us, talk like us, smell like us, dress like us, wear their hair like us, be feminine or masculine like us, and yet we put a barrier in the way, and Jesus is like, I already came, and I did that. You don't have to do that anymore. My heart broke for people who, like, something is stirring in me. For some reason, I still want to be part of this community, and I still feel like there's a barrier. There is an invisible barrier. I can see what's happening on the other side, and I don't know how to get to the other side, but there's still a stirring. My heart rate right now is going so fast because I feel for these people. I feel for myself in the way that I've had to fight through that. And I'll get to that in a second because now we get to Paul who just has gone through Antioch and this whole journey of saying to people, hey, the barriers are not there anymore. There's, a, there's like four things that I think you'll do well to get along with the other Jewish believers so that you can be in the same room together. And he's sharing this letter with other people. And he's like, let's grab Timothy. And Timothy, let me tell you a little bit about Timothy. It's in the scriptures. Timothy had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. 
kind of considered an illegitimate marriage. You see, he's not quite Jew, he's not quite Greek. So he wasn't raised in the Jewish traditions in the sense that he wasn't circumcised. But I believe his grandmother was very, like, traditional. His mother was a believer and a Jewish woman. And so he would have been raised with the traditions and the culture of being Jewish. (laughs) So you're like, well, what does that matter? Because we've already been told last week You don't have to be circumcised in order to be part of the faith community. And then Paul does this really weird thing. He says, Timothy, let's go. uh, Paul wanted him to join, this is verse 3, Paul wanted him to join them on the journey. In a difference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. Excuse me. He did what? Um, if you don't know what circumcision is, I think uh, Kurt has asked Jordan to respond to that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> Timothy is a man. I'll leave it at that. That's a huge sacrifice for Timothy to go and get circumcised. And here's why so that there wouldn't be a barrier in the way for them to go speak to the Jewish believers. You see, sometimes God calls us to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others. And that was a huge sacrifice. Large sacrifice, that was was big. I've never been asked to do something like that. I have been asked to be sacrificial towards others so that there would not be a barrier in the way for people to come to know who Christ is. And then I ask myself this question, and this is the one we just asked. I'm going to answer it for you now. Why in the world would people who are being hurt and pushed down and oppressed and called evil and told they are never going to see this, like the kingdom of heaven because of who they are. Why in the world would they want to be part of this faith? I ask myself that all the time. I have students and I have uh, younger adults who come to me who say, this is what's happened to me, or I have watched what's happened to others, and I don't feel acceptable there, but I still love Jesus, and I still want to know more. Well, this is the second part of the good news statement today. Jesus fulfilled the law and removed the barriers, and the Spirit is always at work. See, we can put an invisible barrier up, but this, the Spirit works way bigger than we ever could. It is just... That's just the way it works. If you could sum up Acts, that's what it would be, is the Holy Spirit at work. Why in the world would the Gentiles even want to be part of this community? Because the Spirit is at work. Why would a woman ever want to come and preach when they know that the comments, for every ten, like every one nice comment, there's ten awful, evil, mean, degrading comments? Why? Why would you ever want to do that? Because the Spirit is always at work. So the question is, are we creating barriers that are unnecessary? When Paul is constantly saying, let's remove some barriers, whether it be eat meat or not eat meat, 
to be circumcised or not to be circumcised. You see, here's some, so this is what happens sometimes, is the Bible kind of disagrees if you take it out of context. And we ask the question, well, which is the right answer? Should we do it this way or should we do it this way? And just like Jesus answers a question with a question, this is my question. When the Bible has a conflict, how are you treating people with it? What are you doing with that? Are you creating a barrier where the Spirit is stirring and Jesus has already fulfilled that law and he has already come to remove that barrier for them and then you put a new one up? How do you treat people with the Word? I believe in the Word. Please don't take that the wrong way. Do not twist that. I believe in this Word. If I didn't have this, I don't know what my life would look like. It wouldn't be good. But people have used this Word to hurt me and so many others. You know, when Paul says in Galatians that there are no Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, male or female, for we are all one in Christ. And I think we misuse that sometimes, and we basically say that we eliminate the ability to be male or female, Jew or Gentile, and that is not at all what Jesus is saying, or what Paul is saying. We become more of who we are when Christ is in us, when Christ is with us. I am still female, but that is not a barrier for me to be in Christ's community and a faith community. That is not a barrier any longer. Paul told me so, so I believe him. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I want to read it exactly the way it's written, or at least how I have it. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. If those are Jesus' words, why do we create a bigger, heavier burden? And just as a reminder that Timothy sacrificed himself for the sake of others in order to eliminate the barriers. My question is for you this morning is, are you putting barriers up for other people to be part of this community, to allow the Spirit to completely take over? Are you putting barriers for yourself and saying, until I look like this, behave like this, sound like this, dress like this, eliminate this thing about me, add this thing about me, I'm not going to be part of the community of faith and that Jesus is not going to accept me in that way. And I'm going to sort of talk for a second to those who feel the stirring of the Spirit. And even though there might have been people and things that have been said and things that have been done to you that feel like they are coming from God and they're actually coming from other people, don't let anyone get in the way of you coming to Christ. 
The Spirit has the ability to change us in ways that no person can ever do. Let that be that job of the Spirit. There's an end to that video that I started with this morning. I think it's necessary that we watch to see what happens to this sweet little dog. (laughs) Super short clip, but that's because I thought I was going to go for an hour and they told me I couldn't, whatever. Um, What you don't know is that was attempt number five for that sweet puppy. Attempt number five. Now, some dogs just go right through it, so, like, I'm not saying it works for all dogs or all cats, but some people, it takes a little bit of time to recognize that there's an invisible barrier between us and God, and Jesus already did that. He fulfilled the law. He took down the barriers, and the Spirit is always at work. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning.